Welcome to the Eat, Slay, Live podcast. And we are the Locksecutioners. We're going to be eating lightning and talking thunder and getting after their asses in your ear holes today. Ooh, that's a good little introduction to who we have in here today. It, yeah, because... What's what's the uh, what's the abbreviation? G-A-T-A. G-A-T-A, baby. Had their little uh, slogan up when he was the uh, head coach up at, up at Calhoun. G-A-T-A. Get after their asses. Get after their asses. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I, could I get some credit for throwing that into the intro? Absolutely. That's what I'm doing yeah. right here. You know, this is the credit. So so two shows ago, I was like, I'm a little nervous about today's guest. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And I am again. Again, a little bit. A little well, bit. Well, I, I can understand you know that. Because he was an authority figure in your life. He <laughs> yeah. I straightened your ass up a little bit. <laughs> he didn't get much of a chance. I was I, I left I left a little too quickly. Where's my water bottle at, Locks? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, today on our show, we have Hall of Fame football coach, master motivator, artsy-fartsy guy, the godfather of Calhoun, uh, Mr. Rick Johns. Welcome to the show, brother. Well, thanks for having me. That's uh, quite the intro, man. You've, you've left me a little to live up to here. Well, that's pretty much the end of the show, so thanks for coming in. <laughs> it's been great. <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny, Ross, is I, what, I asked Coach about coming on here, and, he's, yeah, and so he texted me and said, hey, uh, how can people tune into this? <laughs> 95.5. <laughs> I think he thought he was headed to w, uh, 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 KC or uh, WBGZ or something. Oh, man, when I walk into the ATT place, the employees, like, they scatter. <laughs> they run. It's like, it's him. The guy can't turn his phone on. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. You know what? It feels like the older you get, like, the more you just get, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm turning into mom with, with uh, technology. <sighs> Man, it's terrible. I, I um, you, you, you introduced me to the Instagram Reels. Yeah. <laughs> so I started doing some research on and I'm like, oh, yeah, for business-wise, I got I to gotta get these going. And so I'm like, oh, before I talk to my manager about it, I'm, I'm going to look in, and I'm like, I feel like my mom. I feel like my mom right now. I'm not I'm just gonna pass it, it it's on. It's always evolving so quickly. Yeah. I just oh, got used. Crazy. I just got used to that one. Right. You know, and then it's something yeah. new. All the the, right. the the TikToks, the the tweeters, the the Facebooks, the the Instagrams. It's, I can't let go of my CDs. Man. <laughs> I got a million CDs, and I don't know what to do. Right. Right. Jeez. Well, Coach, like I said, welcome to the show. We're happy. We're so glad you came in. A little hot in here. We still haven't got our air conditioning uh, problems taken care of, but uh, we're going to tough it, tough it out. Uh, like what you would have probably told your players to do back in the two-a-days when it was mm-hmm. sweltering hot. Um, anyway, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming in. We're just going to kind of have a little conversation about your life. People, Great. You know, another thing I'm a little bit nervous about this, Ross, was we, we put up some pictures last night about having him on. And people were stoked. They were excited, like people sharing it, and people, oh, I can't wait to hear this. So now I feel like there's a little pressure for us to, like, you know, dig deep. You know, Barbara Walters has asked. You, you know, know? The, the pressure comes from the new followers. <laughs> well, we got a couple. <laughs> we, we, we're, we, are, we are now digging into the Calhoun market. J.D. Lorton and Jonah White didn't do it for us. Now we have to go after the real godfather up there, right? Right. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, Coach, we'll just start. We'll start easy. Uh, where are you from? Where Where did you grow up? Well, uh, it all started in a, uh, <laughs> a small one-bedroom flat in Dearborn, Michigan, believe it or not. Really? Yeah. Really. Anyway, but uh, anyway, I could... If you pin me down, I'd have to say I'm from Belleville because mm-hmm. I was there from sixth grade till uh, you know my college years. So I'm a Belleville guy, and um, you know uh, my first job was at Calhoun. That was when I got out of the house. So 
That was your first teaching job? Oh, yeah. I was 24 years old. Uh, Did you go straight into head coaching when you got hired? Yeah, it was quite the experience. Yeah. You know, I, I prepared myself for the fact that I was going to have to, you know, earn my bones or whatever, work 10 years in assistant somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, I went into that interview at Calhoun and, you know, it, it was my job. You, you know, they say every, you know, they say uh, every squirrel finds one nut. We got two of them right here. You both went, Ross, when he started coaching, he immediately got a head coaching Yeah, job. right into it. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome, man. So what, let's rewind, though, a little bit. So I... I you have a, a a good a stellar high school career in football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, went, uh, went, no, the, high, okay, went the high school. I got where? You. You, no, you're you. asking me. I, <laughs> I know. I, okay. I, I know. I know you yeah. had a stellar coaching <laughs> yeah, okay. career. We got we got that. That's okay. why you're here. What high school did you go to? I went to Belleville East. Okay. Um, big school. It was. Uh, I think we had three thousand six hundred kids. You know, when I was a senior, we had one hundred seventy of them came out for football their freshman year. Now, so, 170 went out for football. That's more than Calhoun has in the high school, yeah, basically, yeah. right? And they, you they, say 170 freshmen? Yeah, they came out. Alone. Right. And they only, they only um, gave out 100 uniforms. So there was a lot of kids who got left behind there. Uh, but they were told that if they just hung around, mm-hmm. there'd be a lot of people quit. And, uh, you know, I think by the time I was a senior, um, there was 24 seniors maybe left out of that group and i think that's just exactly the way they wanted it that's yeah, the, yeah that's the way it was intended weed to be the, weed out the week oh yeah so you have a good high school career yeah but you know nothing fabulous mm. i was uh you know i have no quick twitch muscle fiber uh i guess i now that i can look back on things and have dealt with a lot of kids and athletes and different body types i don't think my hips were very good mm-hmm. um my uh, my brother Chris, the middle son, he he ended up being kind of the athlete of the bunch, but uh, you know I was a guy that just had to bust my ass just to get on the field. Yeah, did, did you play college ball? No, not no. at all. The only people interested in me were small liberal art colleges and stuff. And I remember like I get these brochures and things, and we talk to these guys, and I would see the crowds at these games and parents sitting in lawn chairs in the end zone and stuff. And you know, at that time, football in Belleville was such a big thing, you know, packed stadiums and, you know, every game was a big game. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was not going to go and keep playing for in that environment after coming from the environment. Yeah, you're I was a big in. time school. Lots of and then yeah. you go play at Culver Stockton. Right. <laughs> where there's right. 17 fans and yeah. no one really gives a shit. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. I mean, no way. Yeah. Um, growing up, so how many siblings? I've got uh, two other brothers. So uh, older or younger? Uh, both of them younger. I was the oldest one. Okay. You know, there's Chris and Jeff. Uh, they're both back in Belleville. Uh, actually, Chris is in Columbia. Um, parents, uh, what did your parents do? My dad was um, an over-the-road truck driver his whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, an independent a lot of that time. My mom, for a long time, was just uh, basically a housewife. You know, her husband was on the road. Yeah. But after we grew up a little bit, she started being like a housekeeper at St. Elizabeth's Hospital mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, so I guess the question I want to ask, Ross, is how the hell did a high school hire you? <laughs> you must have been one hell of an interview. Well, I tell you what, let's just put the cards on the table. I think, you know, Calhoun at the time, you know, I don't, I don't think they'd had a winning season in 13 years. Um, it was... Well, well, we got some stats well, for that, well, Coach. Yeah. Let, let me just before we get into before we get into that, I, I just I, I want to I got this stat here for us. So, the twenty years before Coach Johns came to Calhoun, their record was fifty-one and one hundred and twenty-five. 
So let me, let me break that down for our slower audience <laughs> members, okay? Because we have a few Ross. Yeah. 51 wins, 125 losses in the 20 years before he got there, okay? Uh, so his tenure there, how many years were you there, Coach? Seems like, like 16. I'm not positive right now. So the 16 years he was there, 131 wins, 43 losses. So... Oh, he just pretty much flipped, flipped the script. Yeah, flipped yeah a little script. better than flipped the script. <laughs> yeah, a little, yeah. little better than flipped the script. He had two losing seasons, but those were his first two seasons. So basically, he's he's inheriting learning. Some, it, yeah, he's inheriting someone else's culture, and learning a lot, and, yeah. and things like that. You know, so yep. th- that's amazing. Yeah. That 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 really that is, is amazing. amazing. I, I would yeah. love to. And and like I know what you're trying to say. You're probably trying to say, well, no one really wanted a job. Is you know they're losing. They. Nobody cared about football, but it's still a guy who didn't play college ball, a guy who had no coaching experience before then comes in and they gave you the head coaching, not even from around there. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. Well, you know, who, inter- who interviewed you up there? It was basically uh, James A. Ringhausen, Ringhausen Mr. was Ringhausen. the man and yeah. he was always an advocate of mine. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there was a, a strong contingent that would have liked for me to be gone after my second year. Mm-hmm. And he walked into the board meeting and said, First off, we're not firing my football coach. So, anyway, he was always a great advocate of mine. And, uh, you know, it was Who wanted respect. you fired? Let's put their names oh, out there I, right I, now. I don't Come know. on, coach. Let's put their names out there right that's, now. That's, They'll have a hanging in Calhoun. They'll bring it back. <laughs> that second year was quite the year, uh, to be honest, guys. Uh, I basically purged the team. We had, you know, maybe five two-way starters on a very lean roster mm-hmm. that, I, that I booted off. And um, anyway, and I think seven total, and knowing that we weren't going to win another game and it was going to be hard to be competitive. So, um, you know, there was a lot of people that were upset with, my, you know, my hard stance on, you know, uh, getting a team in order. Mm-hmm. So they, they get after their ass. What was the third year like? Third year, we went six and three. And, uh, so that was their first winning year, and yeah, yeah, but not just a five and four record. I mean, six yeah, and three, six and three. In today's world, we'd have been a pretty uh, formidable playoff team because we were in the toughest one A conference in the state, number one, and number two, we were really starting to play good at the end of the year. You know, so uh, the you know the following two years, we were you know we were we were six and uh, three back to back, and both of those were pretty nice teams mm-hmm. Go- going into it. I mean, knowing knowing what you were getting into, did you go in with a pretty good plan that that you stuck to for most of it? Like, I'm going to build this culture this way. This is how the things we're going to do, weight room wise, this and that, um, the Mohawks, blah blah blah. Um, or was it more of a learning curve to you as you just started to learn and and, and open well, up? You know, I was 24, so there was a lot of learning on the fly. But what I did was basically I took the Belleville East template. Okay. The only football that I knew, and I went with that. You know, I, I knew how it was done. I took, uh, you know, 6A football, and I brought it to a, a 1A team, and, uh, you know, we really... But, but you hadn't played football in four years? I mean, because you went away to college, right? right. I mean, you went, went to college. Yeah. You, yeah. you, you played high school, and then you went to college. So did you study football while you're... I mean, I'm not, I know that wasn't your... Ma- art was your major, is that correct? Art and yeah, education? Art, yeah, art education. So, I mean, were you, were you always into, like, co- were you, like, f- learning about football, how to coach football in that time? Whenever I talk to old f- friends and, uh, 
you know, uh, students, you know, I knew in high school, uh, they remind me that, you know, I was the guy who did exactly what he said he was going to do in high school. Mm-hmm. So whenever... Uh, Meaning what? Meaning... Well, I, you know, I every, everybody knew by the time I was a junior in high school that, you know, that Rick Johns was going to coach football. I mm-hmm. mean, that's... I, I was totally consumed by it. Um, uh-huh. As Billy Joel would say, when I wore a younger man's clothes, I volunteered to coach Little League football, and I was a head coach at, you know, heck, uh, 19, 20 years old. So um, I coached Little League football in Belleville for the Belleville Little Knights. Uh-huh. And um, I went to clinics, you know, if there was a big coaching clinic in St. Louis. Sometimes the Belleville East guys would have me go with them. And, you know, I had, you know, everybody's got little, little name tags. You know, mine was basically Little Knights. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Who's the Little Knights? Yeah, what is it? yeah. Kirkwood, <laughs> Webster Groves, East St. Louis, <laughs> Little Knights. <laughs> so you, you always had that mind for it. Oh, yeah. That's okay. all yeah. I and wanted And there's a lot. Do. As a coach, uh, there, there's times like, you have a player that comes through your system like, he's going to be a hell of a coach. If he wants to be a coach, he can, ha- he can be a coach. He's, he has that mind. Well, they're usually and leaders on the field. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. Captains. And, yeah. The yeah. way they pick up on things, mem- memory, just – the whole the whole characteristic of a person you can you can see it in them yeah i can see those guys and you know number one whether you know what you guys do what what i did for all those years uh you know it comes down to in my opinion are you a communicator you know can you communicate can you get guys attention do they want to listen to you when you're talking to them and if they don't how do you make them want to listen to you so uh i was a communicator and you know whenever i you know i've worked with guys that i could tell if this guy wanted to get into coaching, he'd be great at it. But yeah. you know, a lot of times he ended up being great at other things. Yeah, absolutely. And so the, the transition after year one and two into that third year, what sticks out as you as that was the difference? Well, I'll tell you, you know, here's something you guys might be interested in. Um, coming from Belleville East, uh, Dennis Snepp uh, was, the, was the defensive coordinator, weightlifting guy there. And they were ahead of everybody in the metro east area when it came to lifting free weights, you know, not universals, you know, free weights from the ground. And uh, I established a weight program. And more than anything else, we were lifting weights. We were pushing steel early. And I think that had it. Well, I know that had a huge impact on Calhoun football. You know, and I I say this to a lot of people, and actually Ross and I talked about it before you got here, is, you know, I I own a gym, I train, I'm a trainer, but I mean, your, like, your lifting program back then inspired the crap out of me. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you were, and I told Ross before you, like, you were ahead of your time up there with weightlifting, doing plyometrics. I remember one time, you brought in... I don't know if he was Swedish or Russian. He was. Swedish? Was he Swedish? He was Swedish. Bring yeah. a Swedish guy. He's about, probably about six foot, maybe. 5'10", 5'11", 6'0", like short guy, but just giant. Yeah. I mean, he could deadlift a freaking uh, an elephant, and he could jump up and touch touch the rim with his head. And like, oh. he's coming in, and he's showing us all, and, he, and he'd pull somebody out of the crowd. And I, he pulled one of the Heffington boys, I think from Brussels. Really? Pulls him out and like just get like the dude had never really deadlifted or anything. And he just psychs him up so much. And the guy like lifts like 500 pounds, like <laughs> just like showing him like how you can get someone fired up and yeah. motivated. Yeah. And it was just, you were ahead of your time. Like I see a lot of the lifting programs around here today. And they're not, and this is 30 years ago, whatever, longer than that. You were, your, your program then was ahead of what I see a lot of the coaches doing now. 
know what I'm saying? I, I it was don't. about it was about lifting and stuff, but it was also about movement, getting yeah. them move. We'd go out in the ble- like we didn't have box boxes to do boxing. We were doing them on the bleachers and right. one legged bounds and things sure. like that. Yeah, and just so you know, that guy's name was Stefan Fernholm. Stefan Fernholm. Yeah, and he, uh, I'll tell you what, I think for the Indianapolis Colts, as big as he did, of course they were. I don't know if they were the Indianapolis Colts then. But anyway, uh, I think he ran a 4 um, 640, I think. You know, and, mm-hmm. they, and you know, they talked about offering him a contract. Cause he was a beast of a man. How did you get together with him? Um, I adhered initially to the Bigger, Faster, Stronger program, which I still think is a great high school program. And he was featured in that. Gotcha. And uh, I contacted them, and, man, he, he flew in. So back to the beginning Flew of the years. Flew in and drove in and yeah. horse in and got <laughs> right. on a ferry right. and crossed a right. bridge in to get there. Yeah. <laughs> were, you, were you still in contact with the coaches down at Belleville East? Was it the same? Oh, sure. And yeah. so were you coming down, picking their brains still? And uh, I can't say that I was doing that, but, you know, I've, I was uh, you know, a real Belleville East guy, and I love that staff. And, you know, they just had a great staff under Dean Wren. And um, so, yeah, I, I uh, stayed in contact with them and – you know, for a long, long time. And, and talking about their, me telling you that their weight program was like, like I said, ahead of his time. Like you should have seen the, the gym there. I mean, it was nothing, right? right? I mean, it was, it was, there was, it was like, uh, like maybe two and a half rooms or something like one was on the other side of the gym where he had some machines. Right. And then there was maybe one or two bench presses. Maybe I think only one. On yeah. Yeah. What had the, we, uh, they knocked out a shower. Yeah, and there was a dead, they, had a deadlifting platform, yeah, deadlift, a deadlifting platform, a squat rack, and a bench. And, yeah. and, and we'll get to this, but Coach was, you know, he's an art was an art teacher, also, and very he can draw and things like that. But like he had a this kind of a mural you did with with uh, with magazine pictures. You cut oh, it out, yeah. made a, like a collage. Yeah, I've forgotten about that one. And man, it was the like it was like the size of a wall. It was huge. He had cut out out of magazines like football players and weightlifters and things. It was just the coolest, coolest thing ever that was hanging in that, in that weight. Yeah, dramatic sayings. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you you know. had those taped over it. Yeah. You know, so like you'd never Remi- seen reminds it. Reminds me of someone's garage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. My garage. Exactly, exactly. When I say like there, he had a lot of things that like, you know, that molded who I am. I, I'm not lying. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? That was a yeah. long time ago. And it was, it was, I was, only around him a very short period of time, but it made it made a huge impact. Just like yes, my garage, I did the same sort of thing. Put up like this collage of newspaper mm-hmm, and, and sure. the sayings and things like that. Because you know you're sitting there, you're getting ready, to, you're between sets, you're getting ready to you know uh, uh, do some reps, and you kind of you, you just see something on there that kind of stands out. You know, a, a, right. a, a Bo Jackson jumping over the line, or just it's like yeah, boom. You know, right. when you step up there to hit your deadlift, just to, you know makes you half a percent better or whatever. S- you sales, know? brother, that's. Yeah. yeah, sales. Yeah. Believe me. Yeah, and and, and so I, it, I remember like moving like down to Cal, to, to Bethalto and like oh I'm kind of going to the city. Hey, hey, let's bring that up too. How did how does Rick Reinhardt <laughs> come in and just recruit and just pick one of your upcoming stars? How does that happen? I, you know, I flashing lights. What I, little I, nil going on in Bethal at Civic I, Memorial back in 1990? I was young and naive, 
and it all happened under my yeah, you know, it's right under my nose. You know, I I mean, being like 110 pounds, I was a hot prospect. You yeah. know, all the area teams were were wanting they, me, Ross. They saw that. Hey, they saw that fire in you. Yeah, they saw that. Hey, but it all worked out. It all worked out. We got Tim Nelson in the end. <laughs> yeah, it was the a trade. trade. Exactly yeah, what, it worked exactly, out. It was a trade. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I I, I went from future considerations for Todd Locks. <laughs> <laughs> end up being Tim Nelson. I went from Calhoun to Bethalto, and he went from Bethalto to Calhoun. That's yeah. true. Yeah, had, that, that was had a fabulous to, championship he, game. He, he was the player to be named later. Yeah. <laughs> so did it take – and so, I, I mean, your practices were tough. Like, uh, like when I, I was kind of going to touch on whenever I moved down to Bethalto, I thought I'm going to – like that move from there, as you know, that was like moving to the city. Like sure. people up there like, oh, you're going to be a big city slicker. I can remember buddies of mine saying that up there, you know, right. and, and that's how I felt. I mean, there was there's stoplights for the love of God, yeah. McDonald's oh, for the love of God. You know, and I thought, oh, man, I'm going to go down and just get my ass kicked. You know, these practices are going to be I got down there and and nothing compared to like practices up there. It was so we did so much hitting and things like that. So how did you get? The, the people up there to buy into your a 24 year old from Belleville to buy into the system up there well it, you know it took a little bit but the thing is I was again I was a young guy mm-hmm. and you know a good sense of humor a personable guy and um, self-proclaimed but okay yeah yeah, yeah. Well, I think I was <laughs> uh, but the thing is is um, these kids bought in and I had zero competition. We weren't particularly good at anything at that time. Mm-hmm. And I think these, these guys, they saw that, you know, we could win and that we could be as successful as this crazy kid is telling us we can be. And they, they, they totally bought in. And uh, I tell you what, nobody outworked those kids. Right. Just, I uh, agreed. You know, you probably know Danny Pleister. I always yeah. think of Danny yeah. Pleister. And that guy, he would come in to weightlifting in the summer and he'd be wearing the same clothes boots jeans and t-shirt that he put hay up in and he had pound out the weight you know he was bought in and he was on you know that that semi-final team that lost our cola you know in my fourth year or so mm-hmm. so anyway um your fourth year you went to state i think so it was semifinals we lost our cola now you know i tell you what jd would correct me instantly to, to, you know but uh, it's been a long time man yeah um uh, but anyway those guys they wanted something so bad and once they realized that you know we can beat anybody you know they just ran with it and uh it became their it became their thing in the it became that school's persona and it became the community's thing you know we were an afterthought before Mm-hmm. You know, it was just Calhoun. And uh, I just remember early people being so insulted that they were about to lose to apple pickers or whatever they would call us, you know. <laughs> and uh, anyway, by the time it was all over, you know, you know the story how, you know, it all went down. You, you know, one thing that, that helped coach a lot, and I didn't really think about this until we started doing this podcast, is so he was an art teacher up there. But he didn't have, and so you had Campsville Grade School, which was a middle school grade. It was kindergarten through mm-hmm. eighth grade, which where I went home with the Cougars. Shout out to the Cougars, Cougar for life. Uh, and then you had 
Harden grade school, which was also a middle school, kindergarten right. through eighth grade. And those were the only two schools you went to, right? That's the only two, yeah. And so what he would, it would, he would like go to both schools as the art teacher and as the head football coach. So he'd come in, he's out on the play. I can remember like we're playing like pickup games on the, on the playground and he's the head football coach at the high school and he comes in and and like he's recruit he's basically i mean he's not recruiting because they're going to go to the high school right. but he's getting them us getting fired, them fired up, up early we're sitting out there playing and he's like get him you know he's like <laughs> he's coaching a real game yelling at you to like, yeah, bust her ass and get after him do you know what i'm saying like yeah. he's just you know back and forth all day long driving between these schools there's about 10 12 miles between them and so he's firing up these little kids on oh, the playground. Yeah. Building those relationships. Early. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, d- definitely. And you know, I had him in the classroom, too. Uh, art, you know, was a class they wanted to come to. It was uh, it was a master course in recruiting, believe me. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I didn't miss many of them. He, uh, he once, and I, you won't remember that. I've, re- I've said this to you before, but and I have it somewhere, and I looked and looked in my tubs of, of crap I have at home, but I couldn't find it, but I still have it. He drew me, I don't know, it was probably fourth, fifth grade. He drew me a picture of Tony Eason. Wow. Tony Eason played for uh, U of I and then went on later to play for the Patriots and things. And he drew me a picture of Tony Eason. I mean, it was fantastic. He's an, an was he one of your artist. favorite players? Or? Uh, no, I can't say that he was. But he wrote on there, to Todd, future warrior superstar. Oh, Coach that's John. how, that's how you I mean, do dude, it. I mean, dude, look at yeah. goosebumps now thinking about <laughs> oh, that. Yeah. I looked at that. I mean, I hung that picture in my room, and wow. I you know, he thinks I'm a future superstar. You know what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. You know, and Tony Eason's great picture, the way he drew it or that's whatever. That's great, wow. Coach. Yeah, I mean, dude, I, I still have it. And I like, wow. I was like, fire, like, he thinks I'm going to be this guy. He thinks I'm going to be a superstar. Okay. And right. then Margaret. And Margaret <laughs> crushed it. <laughs> Pulled up my roots. Wow. That's great. You got to text me that picture. Sometime. I will. I'll find it. I'll find it. Yeah. Um, so you, you start winning. You start winning right. up there. And, you know, did, 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 they, how, did it take them a while to accept you? Because Calhoun's like one of those, like, if you're not from around there, they sort of, you know what I'm saying? They're a little closed-minded to, to, to outsiders. You know what I'm saying? They live in a small, they have a small radius. Right. Um, I think when we started winning, I think I was pretty accepted. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, I remember the first time we had a long road trip in a playoff game was to Assumption. Mm-hmm. And I watched like three of these major buses pull up. You know, these, yeah, anyway, trailway-type buses and this... Our, we had more fans there than the Assumption people, and it was just like I pretty well figured I was I was in pretty good at that point. But I, I think that was my sophomore year that when you went got runner up at state. Yeah, I think. I, that I sounds about right. I think that that was right. But uh, now is that is that was that the game where they had held all the rushers to? Oh, that's they, Lexington. Ah, so we'll tell that. So that was had, Jonah. Yeah, Jonah. So it held. They had held everybody under ninety nine, under hundred yards. Yeah. And and you went, walked up to Joan. And before the game, they were at the pre warm ups. They're going kill Joan. Yeah. Right? Is that, they made that part of their cadence. Made, they didn't do the standard one, two. Yeah. Three. They used. Yeah. They they built you know, hit Jonah or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was their entire cadence. And they tried to intimidate our quarterback before the game, and uh, anyway, they were pretty sure of themselves. Mm-hmm. And so you went up to Jonah and you and. Yeah, I don't know if I can use the exact well, language. Got to, coach. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, well, you know, I just said, Jonah, I don't care. I don't care if we win or lose. You've got to get 100 yards against these guys. And he just said, hey, I'm going to get uh, 200 against these fuckers. <laughs> and I 
took him out with, you know, a couple minutes left in the game. And he had like 298. <laughs> I mean, so yeah. they, they held everybody under 100. <laughs> Coach told him, you're going to get you 100. Jonas is going to get 200. He ends up just getting short of three. Had I known, he was, one, he was a one run from, you know, uh, being – you know, 300 yards. And I, I remember, I, I told this story when Jonah was in, I remember being a skinny little 110, 105 pound sophomore in the locker room but in halftime and Jonah comes in and like, he's already played a game, yeah. basically. Do you know what I'm saying? He probably 100, yeah. 150 yards then, like 200, whatever, comes in, takes, and Jonah was, I mean, he was built like a... Sure, he's crazy. Takes, takes his pads off and he's just bleeding mm -hmm. and purple and bruised and he's like, just keep giving me the ball, coach. Right. I'm going to make mincemeat out of him. And I'm like, I'm just sitting there, well, <laughs> mincemeat, I'm going to kill oh, him. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, was, he was something else. We could talk about him for a long time. But, you know, the thing is, there's no telling how many yards that guy could have got had he understand the concept of... You don't have to run that defense back over. You sidestep him. That kid don't want to touch you. You know. I mean, we were playing Greenfield. He busts into these. He's got. He's twenty yards into the secondary, and some kid's scared to death. Jonah just has to step one way or the other. It's a touchdown now. See, I've I've only met him a few times, but just in the the, the times that I've met him, there's no way he's running around somebody. No, he's going right after that fucker. Yeah, I know he's crazy. You know, I went and saw him at, at Illinois State when he was in Southwest Missouri and the game was on the line just like three minutes left and Southwest Missouri just said hey look we're not messing with these people they're never getting the ball back they gave it to Jonah every time and every play was a train wreck man <laughs> it was just unbelievable and they just kept doing it and doing it and they ran the clock out on him but you know that's the kind of runner he was man it's great and you had some horses on that team, that oh. year, like the Matt Capses and, yeah, and Tim Winnikeys, and, and you had Charlie Booth at quarterback. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, great quarterback. Uh, you know, I had so many good kids, and uh, you know, big kids that played well. That picture you posted of that that crew down at Bush Stadium, I mean, that was a that was a five A six A looking offensive line. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yes, you know that was impressive. Yes, you know and. Uh, we had always, you know, I don't think, well, I know, you know, Craig Robin wasn't our best lineman until he was a senior. You know, that's the kind of players we had up front. You know, I thought I was a good coach, but man. And, and for and for people that don't know, he, Indiana, correct? Oh, yeah. Four-year starter, yeah. Indiana team captain, second team all Big Ten, you know. Uh, Coming from a school of how many people, how many does Calhoun have? It oh, you know, probably 187 or so. Yeah. You know, he, uh, it's see. um things about oh here's the thing i want to mention about craig is nobody would recruit him you know he went up to illinois to their camp and out you know performed all their guys that they were bringing in on scholarship and nobody would touch him and then finally you know we were sending we were sending you know vhs tapes all over the country i i worked a gig where i was i had eastern thinking that he uh was being interested, Western was interested in him, and I had Western thinking Eastern was, so I, had, I was trying to build a little friction there, and then a guy from Indiana called and said, hey, we'd like to come see Craig, and uh, you know what they did? They went to Griggsville, Illinois, and watched him play basketball on a Tuesday night. Next day, they offered him a full Just ride. seeing his athleticism. Yeah. He was on my Hoop It Up team one year. <laughs> that happened it was me like me ty i don't i don't know i was little i filled in and <laughs> was nelson on the team he, well, 
I mean, I remember him. Like, Robin. Yeah. Just throwing down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, what a, yeah. What a great guy, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, what, what, like, what would you say, like, was one of the biggest motivators that you used up there to sort of, like, get the guys going, to get them, to get them buying in? And Wow, that's a good one. You know, um, I just kept selling, 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 and I think, really, the old adage about success breeding success, I think all they needed to see was that not only we could compete, we could win. And, uh, you know, that came real early. I think that first team I had, um, there were some nice players on that team, and uh, we were really, you know, limited as far as the coaching staff and things like that. But, uh, you know, they, those guys thought, you know, we won our first two games, and I think right away kids started thinking, well, this is different. You know, we ended up winning four that year, including a big win at Carrollton. So, um, anyway, so I think that was really it. And like you guys know, too, I mean, it's all about sales. You know, if you're, if you're going to, especially nowadays, if you're going to coach, you better be able to sell because these, you know, kids, uh, you know, they have options and uh, they're easily distracted. Mm-hmm. So, so your biggest thing going up there is, you had an idea what you're bringing the Belleville East way up there. Right. And then you used who you were as a person you're, to sell and get all these kids to buy in. Yeah. And you know what? The thing is, at some places, and I've been in these places, the hard work is uh, something that, you know, that the kids would rather not deal with that would run kids off. The Calhoun mentality was, you know, hard work. We can do that. Yeah. You know, we can do the hard work. You know, coach, if, you know, I got to in between double sessions and, and, you know, you a testament, you know, it was tough. You know, we, we had tough practices. You know, I had kids, you know, picking peaches, man, you know, and then making it back, you know, for that second session, you know, and that was sacrificed by their, their parents. And that was a hell of a sacrifice by them. Um, two things with that. And I've said this on there a lot, like, and I'm sure I wasn't the only one that we, I didn't have air conditioning when we lived in Calhoun. We did kind of like in the studio right now, <laughs> yeah. but we didn't have air conditioning. A lot of those guys didn't either. So if you went home to between two a days, like you're going home to a, a hot house or a lot of yeah. going home to work. And, and, and also with that is the sacrifice you're talking about is a lot of those kids were needed at home to work on the yes, farm. Right. A lot of parents made sacrifices so their kids could, be a part of that program and you know um would i have done it the same i wonder could i do it the same nowadays i don't know the answer is no coach yeah the answer yeah kids yeah but uh you know i didn't cut them you know like i had kids say you know some of us got to work and i'd say well so do i and this is when practice is and you know i mean either you're here or you're you're gone so let's let's back up a little bit and just go over the timeline because me I moved out of Calhoun when I was three four and so the, when when did when was your first year there? I believe it was nineteen eighty one. Nineteen eighty one. So yeah. then your third or fourth year you made it to state semifinal. I believe so. And is that so? That was your fourth year. You're six and three, and then things really started rolling right there. So then by when did you make the first state championship game? Oh, that was against uh, Bloomington Central Catholic. Would that have been what year? Would that um, been eighty six? 
Let's see if we started now. Um, might have been 87. Something like that. And, and were then, you a sophomore? Is that, yeah. is that the first? Okay. Yeah, but I tell you, they all kind of bleed together now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then so you go, well, back, that, you go back to the state championship how many years later? Um, 92 and 93. 92 and 93, and you win it both years. Yep. Is that correct? So you yes, go back to back. Yeah. Do you make it back there after those seasons? We went to the quarterfinals two years in a row after that. And we, along that way, we upset the uh, number one ranked team in the state both years. One year, an unbelievable uh, Carthage team came to Calhoun lost. And the next year, a Deer Creek Mackinac team, which people were handing them the state trophy, you know, all yeah. the way up to the moment that they got on a bus in Calhoun. In Calhoun County and drag their ass home. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of ride is that? You're coming up there, you're small, like private school oh, in the city. Yeah. And then you come all the way down to Calhoun, like, mm, where the hell am awesome. I? Oh, you know, we played Central Catholic in a chan- in a semifinal game there one time, got beat. It was Chuck Rulon's team. But I'm not making this up. I'm standing there in the end zone talking to their coaches, and down the hill from the back of the bleachers comes a big dog. That big dog has a deer leg in its mouth, and it's just happy as hell, right? His deer leg's mouth is like, you know, and the thing is, the, the coach was telling me it was like first day of deer season. So they, they, they crossed at uh, Campsville, I guess, and, you know, every yard they passed, you know, you got houses on stilts with deers. You know? <laughs> you know? It's like, you know, this is a different yeah, world here. A parade of carcasses, <laughs> yeah. if you will. Yeah, this is different. So if I'm I'm doing it right, did you go from, did you say 83 was your first year? No, 81. 81. So you went 81 to 95? Yeah, I think so. Something like that. I think 96 was my might have been my first year. At Carlinville in 2000 was my first year in Triad. So, so you left you left Calhoun for Carlinville. Yes. And did you see that as a step up at the time? Well, was it that? was a huge step up at the time. It was the wrong was move, and I was not the right guy for that job. And um, you know, I just thought that I was, you know, kids were like Calhoun kids, but it was completely different. And um, why why was Carlinville? I mean, you got a small dynasty going on. Yeah, and I know. You got a powerhouse going on. What? Why? Why did you look at that as a step up? Well, here's the deal. Um, I was so full of myself that I thought that I could actually get Brussels. At that time, football was so big, I actually thought that I could get Brussels to consolidate with Calhoun. And then we would be in a situation where our tax base would be better, our school system would be better, and, um, you know, uh, we could keep quality coaches like the Scott Hamiltons and stuff. Anyway, um, were you looking to consolidate the school or just them into the sports no, program? I wanted Calhoun to be one school district. Got you. You know, and maybe a new high school in yeah. Batch Town or something. But um, anyway, the thing is, uh, Terry Strout and I worked hard on it. And we had these big meetings. Faculty for Brussels, you know, was all on board with it and everything. And this was a chance for me to move my family from Elsa over into. Um, Calhoun, and, and you know, I thought this would be really a good situation, but uh, when that failed, you know, I knew I wanted to get my kids in a really first-class school district, and by all accounts, you know, Carlinville was one of the best in the state 
and uh, it, w- it was a huge raise for me and uh, that type of thing. And they had a really good football program, you know, at the time. So I thought, well, this is, this is where I need to be, and I had the opportunity, so I took it. It was, you know, you know it, looking back, it was a huge mistake. But um, anyway, that's you, how it is. So I'll, do you regret leaving then? I mean, you kind of answered it, but. Well, yeah, I wish I wouldn't have went there. There was a lot that went down, and uh, that there it was. It was very difficult. Uh, I, you know, I didn't have the talent that I thought I'd have, and I certainly didn't have the buy-in because I did it the way I did it in Calhoun. Yeah. And these kids were looking at me like, "You're crazy." Did um, <laughs> we're not playing this bull in the ring. Yeah, yeah, this is nuts. Look, looking back, um, you see a lot of coaches today in every sport college basketball or college football where they they come into a a situation and it just fits them perfectly yeah like you kind of described there and then they leave one school where they've built this powerhouse and they go to this bigger school we'll just say then they go to the alabama Mm -hmm. and and for whatever reason it just doesn't work out for this coach who was great somewhere right. else and then the buy-in or, or whatever just doesn't work in that area the same looking back at your career do you wish you would have stayed in calhoun and retired calhoun and went down as you know built this program as a powerhouse 1a football program retired there as let's just say a god pretty no. much you know well you know when i left calhoun we were the winningest football program in the two in the uh what is it, the 2000s or whatever, in the decade that I left. Yeah. We were the winningest team in the state. And uh, I felt like I, I kind of had uh, done that. Um, when you look back on your life, I, I, I do believe that, you know, it's the things we don't do that we regret the most. So, you know, if I if I had stayed there forever, you know, I, you know um, I, don't, I just don't know how that would have worked out. Uh, short story, I remember walking off the field after the greatest game I ever coached in, which was a semifinal game at Arcola, the year that, you know, the last time we won the championship. I had great respect for a coach there named Steve Thomas, who was one of the greatest, uh, you know, small school coaches in Illinois history at Arcola. Anyway, I'm walking off, and I'm, you know, we have to go through the crowd to get back to our locker room, and I'm listening to all these fans that are bitching about this guy because he can, can no longer win the big one. And that, and that was just an incredible dogfight, huge game. Like I said, it's probably the greatest game I've ever been a part of. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden this guy, you know, he's got people. So anyway, I, that, that, that always stuck in my mind, too. Yeah. That, my, that day would come for me yeah. when, you know, the game had passed me by or whatever. So, um, so you, you felt there that you had accomplished everything that you could accomplish. Yeah, but I was willing to stay. I would have stayed had we pulled off that Brussels deal. Gotcha. Yeah. And and then and you know that you start at twenty four. You're you're forty years old, I guess, when you left. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, and and now you got a family, and you say you had a you know a big pay increase. Yeah. You're not forty years old with a family. That's that's right. that's a major factor. Yeah. Um, and I think they expected me to lo- to leave. Yeah. The moment we became successful. Yeah, you, you know, it, it would be kind of something like, like, say, you at the brick house, you get super successful the way it was when you first bought it, and you're like, oh, I got to build on, and it's just like, you think I can do it? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If, and if it didn't work, then like, then you go back, 
oh, I have regrets for doing that, but do you know what I'm saying? It's yeah, you just, you just see, and I, I, being a big sports guy, you see the, the Coach K, for instance. Yeah. He comes to a Duke program, terrible basketball, mm. absolutely awful. Right. He could have left a billion times, but he stayed there. And now, you know, the buildings are named after him and the statues out there. And then, and then every once in a while, you see, you see a guy that, um, man, there's a college football coach that um, this just happened to. He, he builds a powerhouse up at a big school, dominates, and then leaves for more money and greener pasture and at another dominant school. But he gets there and they fail. Right. You know, and I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll go with the Illinois coach, for instance. Sure. He's at Wisconsin. Rose Bowl, Rose Bowl, Rose Bowl. Right. You know, top five finish every year. Well, yeah. he leaves for Arkansas to the SEC where he thinks, you know, SEC is not a powerhouse, but he thinks, I can do what I do at Wisconsin and Arkansas. Fail. Total fail, right. you know. And so I, I, if he would have stayed at Wisconsin, sure. what would he have there, you know. Right. And that's just what, what crosses my mind because I, you know, I was too young to know, but I see everything that you had accomplished. Yeah. You look at it, you know. We got a statue of Coach Johns out there right now. Right. You know, it was I a just hard decision. Yeah, yeah, understand, but I understand the reasoning as well. Right, it was a really hard decision. And so Carlinville didn't go your way. No, and you leave for Triad. It was a great move. I, um, I got I got rescued by a guy named Ed Cage and Paul Bassler and a guy and a principal named Mike Scroggins. They, you know, I hadn't you know uh, been out at Carlinville for two weeks before I got a call from them. And uh, it was a great place to be. How long were you at Carlinville? Four years. Four years? Yeah. Four years too long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you go, to, you go to Triad, uh, right. teach at Triad as well then? Yeah, as our teacher at uh, Triad. Yeah. And how long were you at Triad? Man, it seems like about six years or so, then Belva West. Belva West, so got back into your hometown. Right, right. It was, you know, I, that was a job that was... Uh, quite an undertaking but i was really proud of the job we did there so i was really proud of the job at uh at, at triad too that's one of you know um only to uh calhoun did i and you know that was the job that i enjoyed probably my everyday life i was close beautiful new school great faculty and you know my administration was so supportive but uh the buy-in from the kids oh it was fabulous this, yeah. once they that, once they saw we could win yeah that gel between oh it was there another yeah you know it was there and uh you know it's you know it was a, it was a great experience yeah i'll get um i had a great exp i was at beardstown yeah and um <clears throat> when i left beardstown and, and and i left for different reasons but i i left to start my own business uh, that was the dream of mine that's what i wanted to do and when I came down here and I, and I coached with the um, – I, I started helping coach. I, I did assistant coach for a couple of years, head coach a couple of years. Two big things that stuck, stuck out to me, I, when I – there was something different because I was 25 when I took the job at Beardstown, super energetic. I was just all about basketball and the same thing, trying to get the kids to buy in. And I mm – -hmm. and, and very energetic about that opportunity and doing it. And the relationships that I built with the kids there – I don't think I could have went anywhere else in the world and ever had those same relationships, the right. same buy-in that I got from right. there. Yeah, it's a, you didn't have a lot of competition, <laughs> and they saw you as hope. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. So yeah that's hope. that's that's a great line. 
Um, let's uh, a couple things I got here. I want to touch base before I okay. let Todd get right back at it. Where did where'd, <laughs> where'd the Mohawks come from? So I was a kid. I I had a little energy in me as a kid, and seeing like my brother come home with these Mohawks, and I'm three, four. I'm I'm Mohawking it. And, you know, yeah. you go to football games, and every kid there Mohawk, just like all the football players. Where did that Where did that come into? Which is it's to me looking as as a coach or an athlete and player, and looking at the Calhoun, the Warriors, and and the logo. And then everybody jumps on board with that mohawk. I fucking loved it. Yeah. I still love it. It's one of my favorite little integrations as as yeah. a, as players and and what their mascot is. You know, well, the, it started. You know, I took the from Belleville East. We, it was we had a thing about hair. Um, you know, nobody had bushy long hair or anything. You, you know, we had to keep our hair short when I played at Belleville East, and I convinced the guys that you know. Hey, we you know we need to be uniformed as a group, you know. Let's 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 get crew cuts, you know. Let's just get short haircuts, and they bought into that. And the more the mohawk just evolved, and I you know it might have been like a Nate Lorton you know uh, got on you know that really going. And uh, as far as the mohawks, and you know if I can tell one story about that real quick, please. You know, you guys might be aware of like the inner workings, the behind the bleachers at the gym at Calhoun, where the the you know the girls' locker room was the visitors' locker room and things like that. Right, right. And they and the visitors had to get off a bus, and they had to step over a little concrete platform uh, into the a back hallway and you know make their way to the to their locker room. Right. Well, we were playing. Uh, North Green, and they had an undefeated team, and it was like a big deal. They were, uh, the, you know, finally there was, you know, there was a rival beyond, you know, Greenfield for Calhoun, and um, it was like sixth game, something like that. And I never said a word about anything about when it came to this, but uh, we had this uh, old kitchen chair from about, you know, the I Love Lucy era <laughs> back there somewhere. Yeah. Anyway, uh, those kids sat out there on that little concrete platform I was talking about, and they shaved each other's heads. <laughs> and whenever North Green got off the bus, they walked to their concrete platform to open the big brown door. There's a chair sitting there and a pile of hair. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, they did that on their own. Yeah. They they were sending a message. Oh, that's cool. You know, you, you're you're over here now. <laughs> and all we beat them like we caught them stealing chickens. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Talk. Speaking of that hallway, so you there was a, he was talking about there's a hallway leading to the girls' locker room, and you right. and it was a great cut through between like the the hallway to the school, but you sure. weren't supposed guys right. weren't supposed to walk through, but you would try to sneak through there just because it was an easy cut through, right. and the girls' locker room was like yeah. there. So my sophomore year, I got caught doing that by Larry Churchman. Oh, no. My sophomore year, he swatted me. Oh, yeah. That was my punishment. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bend over, grab, <laughs> grab your ankles, and smack. And then think yeah. twice before you do this I again, I would never, ever walk through that hallway <laughs> the rest of my life. But sophomore year in high school, I'm still getting, they're still swatting you. Still deserved them. You know there's a million Ballman boys over there. Yeah, right? yeah. And this wasn't uh, the Mark, Matt, you know, that uh, group of Ballmans. But I saw Larry swat a kid. Because he was the captain of his volleyball team during the big volleyball tournament. Oh, yeah. And Larry didn't feel like he was being a good captain. 
He was falling short. That's going a little far. And yeah, and you know, you had to have a witness. You just couldn't take a kid. So I ended up being a witness. And I'm sitting there watching, you know, Coach Churchman convince a guy, well, why these SWATs were appropriate. <laughs> you know, speaking of SWATs, now, when you were going around from school to school, didn't you have a paddle and you had a oh, name yeah. for it? You had a name yeah, for it. What was yeah, it? Well, that's when Pac Man was the big thing. Uh, I called it Whack Man. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so his paddle that he brought around with him was called Whack. Yeah, and I, I had the uh, Pac-Man characters, you know, chasing the. Oh, I, re- ghost. I remember. Yeah. I was there. Yeah. I was yeah. scared of Whack Man. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Larry Churchman. You talk about old school, and then you talk about Larry Churchman. Oh yeah, yeah. He was old school, old school personified. Yeah. Good man. Yeah. Um, let's rewind a little bit Let, let's talk about your 92 team your first team let's talk about some okay. of the times with that some of the some of the players well look, i'll tell you what, let me go back whenever so this was really cool and, and nowadays it's just common commonplace but the year that we went to the they got they got runner-up at state or at state championship so they took us over to bush stadium to practice mm-hmm. and we all got kangaroos roos teams, yeah, shoes sure. turf shoes or whatever new turf yeah. shoes. who donated and, those i don't i don't remember I, I, I forget how that went down, but we, I think the school just agreed to it, and I think Kangaroo was, uh, you know, they wanted to, they wanted to be on board with it. So I think we got a really good deal. And, and I remember, so we went to Bush Stadium to practice to get ready for turf for that game. Right. And like, and nowadays kids like they have baseball games there, high sure. school team. But, yeah. but dude, then it was the big. I I, I can still just remember walking out there on that field, like being from Calhoun, right. and Walking out on Bush Stadium. It was insane. Like I still can remember that feeling walking out there to this day. And I, I can too. And how, did, how did that come about? How did, how uh, we called them? Larry Wilson. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the great Larry Wilson. He's a Hall of Fame defensive back for the the Big Red. Yeah. And he was the head of operations over there. Okay. And we gave him a call and he said, uh, sure, come on over. I think we ended up practicing there awesome. all three years we played in the championship game. I remember you had us all line up at one time, like at the end, and then like you would like announce our oh. name, like towards the end, like because there's yeah. guys like me that aren't going to get to yeah. play. And he lined us up, and he would like have you run out and run a route into the end zone or whatever, make yeah. the end zone there. And he would like, hey, oh, Todd Rock's number twenty-two, <laughs> 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 and like yeah. just line up and just said it over and over. It was Every such, kid gets to catch yeah, a touchdown. Catch, it was per- such an amazing preparing game. for the state championship <laughs> game, but still selling. <laughs> still, still selling, still, man. Still, still selling. Um, somebody had told me to ask you about that. 92 game about your uh the prep for your the bully speech oh um yeah that was our cola um and we had twice i think failed against them and you know we we'd watched them a lot on film and uh they had one particular player um who liked to uh kind of push after plays and stuff anyway they were just killing everybody like most of their games are over, you know, like 50 and a half. And I just watched them, you know, and, and they, they had a real bully attitude. And I just uh, got the guys together on, you know, the, the day before the game. And, um, I mean, Scott Hamilton still tells the story. But, I, you know, the, the gist of the thing was, look, if one of those guys wants to push you after a play, I better have two guys – right in his face that you know the second it takes place and you know if if this guy you know basically was we're, we're going to match their you know tenacity and if you know 
woe be unto anybody who tries to intimidate us. And um, first play of the game, I think uh, Casey, a kid named Casey Longnecker tackles mm-hmm. a kid, and this kid gets up and pushes Casey in a millisecond. Uh, Nate Lorton was right beside him, and I mean they were both in this kid's face and backing him down, <laughs> and it set the tone for the whole game. You know, it was like it couldn't have been scripted better. So anyway, they weren't going to bully us. You know, they they weren't going to bully us anywhere, but this, especially in Calhoun. Speaking of Hamilton and, and Nate Lorton, I heard the only time you really cursed out a coach was one time Hamilton was throwing some passes to Lorton oh in practice, God. and he led him and he ran into a light pole. <laughs> oh, that could have been a hell. That could have been a life-ending injury. It was full, and that's Nate. You know, it was full go right into a those light poles out in the uh, outfield. Uh, Scott felt so bad after he did that. He thought he killed our best player. Well, and, I, and you cursed him out. Right? Oh, so. <laughs> I don't know. And I don't remember that the part. Rumor. Of it. Yeah, of course yeah. you don't. <laughs> I saw a comment on Facebook uh, that someone made when we sh- showed that we were having him today, and, and they brought up the Lost Boys. Oh, the yeah. Story behind that. Oh, the Lost Boys? Boy, that's, you're really digging them up. The, um, the Lost Boys were the first quarterfinal team, I guess, maybe right after. Um, the championship game, and uh, maybe. Um, anyway, the, the deal with the Lost Boys was it was a particular class of great kids that didn't have good leadership, really. And they just, they were kind of in the shadow of greatness, but they hadn't taken the uh, reign yet, and, and they're part of it. Ended up being a really good team, and I, I think I agitated some parents by constantly referring to them as the Lost Boys. (laughs) They just kind of wandered through things. And uh, I came up with a Lost Boy rap. I guess that would have been right at the beginning of the rap thing. It was horrible. (laughs) Well, we we don't (laughs) doubt that. (laughs) Oh, it was horrible, man. But uh, anyway, so I think that's pretty well the story of the Lost Boys. Ended up being a great group of kids and uh, a pretty damn good team. We'll hit up some stories that people said to ask you about. Oh, like Lord. The rat story. The rat story. Oh, yeah. Well, you got to go back to the Lordans. You know, the Lordans there. Uh, you know, we have uh, Scott Hamilton, who, you know, his coach, Charlie Rach, told him when given an option of going to different places to student teach, you go to Calhoun and you learn with Rick Johns. Charlie Rage told him that. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, and he's the legendary coach from Roxanna. From Roxanna, yeah. great Calhoun coach. for a small Sure, time. he was the first coach in yeah. Calhoun. And Charlie and I were great friends. And um, so he, he listened to coach, came to Calhoun. But I'm telling you, it was he had, he had never seen anything like the Calhoun kids. Uh-huh. You know, um, <laughs> you know I, we, we had like a hog roast one year. And our guys... They took the head of this massive hog and wired it to the front of a pickup truck, put sunglasses and a bandana on it, and when it drove, the ears would go up against the grill. You know, it's it like he's looking at that. He's like, Lord, where, where am I? Yeah, where am I? But anyway, one day we're just sitting in the coach's office. You know, we like every you know old coaching facility has, a, has an old couch. You know, where your your butt's about one foot off the ground, maybe, and he's just sitting in there and. In Wanderers, before practice, in Wanderers, uh, Nate Lorton, 
and just casually throws the biggest dead rat I've ever seen <laughs> right in Coach Hamilton's lap. It's like it freaked me out, man. You know, and I'd been at Calhoun for quite some time. Yeah, he was kind of Hamilton's kind of a city boy. Right? Oh, very much so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> very much so. Still, uh, you know, he wasn't ready for anything like that. Hell, I wasn't. But uh, yeah, that's that's the rat story. Uh, what about the Roll Tide story? Oh boy, you're gonna have to give me a little background. I have no tide. idea, bud. Roll these are, tide. These are your these are these are your peeps telling. Oh me. no, I tell you what, that's a story. I'm not gonna tell that one, but that's a story everybody could. I think everybody could uh, dig up. That's the one where the guy down in at Alabama was upset that Cam Newton went to Auburn or something and won the national championship. I think it was Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, he went from Florida. Uh, he started at Florida and then went to Auburn. I guess, yeah. Yeah. And Auburn beat Notre Dame. I mean, not Notre Dame. Alabama and won the championship. Anyway, some maniac. Yeah. Poured a bunch of poison on the the beautiful trees in Auburn that the kids yeah, they had celebrate these campus victory. trees and throw yeah, toilet yeah. paper over them after and, big wins. And, and the guy did it. Got on a went and radio yeah. before. Podcast said he was going to do it. Yeah, he said he was going to do it. And Don't then he, podcast he did bad rep here. <laughs> yeah. He went on the radio, yeah. the radio, talk radio, and told him what he was going to do. Right, but you know, he's right there on the radio. And he goes, "Yeah." So well, what I did is I went down there to your your trees. They're on a square, and I poisoned every one of them. Roll Tide. <laughs> <laughs> so that's I think that's a Roll Tide story. <laughs> What do we got in the bozo in the uh, the big, big bus, bus race. race? Oh, geez, that's uh, you know, I was telling a friend about those. I used to write these short stories about things that happened to me when I was a kid, and uh, they, they they were cruel stories. <laughs> uh, I had a different sense of humor back then, but uh, I'd read these stories to my kids, these short stories I'd write, and they just thought it was the funniest thing. Uh, a true story about Dave Porter was another one that was, was equally as good. But that was just about a kid that, uh, you know, when I was in Belleville, uh, there was one particular road that the bus it was cut through, uh, you know, bus took. And there was this one kid we named Bozo because he had a, a bulbous red nose. Anyway, he rode his bike to school. Anyway, he decided he was going to race the bus down this hill. <laughs> and uh, anyway, his tire caught a rut or something and just had a spectacular crash and i i i just i explained that in great detail and yeah i feel like you're holding, yeah, I feel yeah. like you're holding back oh i am there's no censorship <laughs> no. on podcast oh no but it was bad i'm, I'm a, I'm, a uh, I'm an older man now uh, but i, I, I do we me and uh, my buddy uh, it was dave porter again we're sitting in class and uh you know we've been telling the story all morning and our windows, had, our, our room had access to the highway. And anyway, he was probably an hour or so in the class. You see this kid, poor kid, he's pushing his bike down the highway, and it's the tires all bent and everything. And he looks, it was anyway, we terribly, we started laughing and couldn't stop. And we got in big trouble for that. Swats were <laughs> given out. Yes, yeah, swats were given out, and rightfully so. <laughs> Um, you know, one. Uh, uh, this is. I'm just kind of skipping around here, but going back to like you and, and building the culture. This it was uh, his art degree and his and and how like you know creative you were. I think that helped build the culture because Calhoun always had the coolest like 
uniforms and jackets and yeah. shirts and te- that you know what I'm saying like like the back in black and sure. the black rain and you guys just yeah. like, it was just cool those I remember I think there's a picture of you getting the uh, state championship you have this black all black jacket with red trim it was just mm-hmm. you came up with cool shit up there right yeah it's again sales brother yeah you do it every day yeah you know it's shh, uh, shh, shh, shh. Well, <laughs> gotta sell um, but yeah I I've always loved you know one of the things that drew me to football in the beginning when I was a kid um, I had no football background in my family at all mm-hmm. none and uh, I just loved you know the the pageantry of the game and the the uniforms and the way some uniforms played off the other yeah like there for a longest time a Michigan Ohio State football game the way those colors worked against mm-hmm. each other on the field it's just a thing of beauty and uh, anyway, so I always believed in really cool stuff. And uh, anyway, it, f- football is kind of a combination of, like you said, pageantry, but also savagery. Sure. And I think that's what kind of draws us, like men into it. Right? Sure. And strategy. Right. You know, it's a it's a it's a different game. It's you know, I, I you know, it's got some pitfalls. I understand. But it's still, I think, the greatest game because it takes so many to, you know, uh work at together you know you can't you got 11 guys out there one guy blows his job and it all comes apart you know um just the you know it's just a it's just a great game you know and they say it's kind of based off war which for some reason us neanderthals Uh were sort of drawn to just from our you know our old instincts but you know you're you're, you're advancing onto another person's like home territory and try to you know take their land which is the end zone sure Sure, uh, lines of scrimmage, uh, bombs. I mean, all that stuff. Uh, you know, and uh, I get to, I get to pull out one. Anybody's ever coached with me knows that one of my favorite words in all of, you know, the dictionary is nomenclature. <laughs> and I'm telling you, you know, football nomenclature is the nomenclature of war. Yeah, it really is. You know, so um, yeah, so you're, yeah, you're on it. Can we can we back up to you? You brought it up before we got into some of this, but I'm very interested in knowing a little bit more about those back to back state championship teams um, and how that really came about. About the players, Um, what made those two groups so special? Well, we we had a lot of really good players, and we had fabulous leadership. Like we had guys that, uh, you know, say our third, fourth, fifth best leader would have been the best leader on most my teams and i'm telling you those guys i mean uh the leadership on those teams was unbelievable no one wanted to let anybody down they all looked after each other and i know it's a cliche you know a lot of coaches think that these guys were tight you know they they were locked down they knew what they wanted to do we talked about the state championship from the time they were freshmen you know and i tell coaches that would come in interested in working with me these guys are going to win a state championship. I mean, and, you know, it wasn't like we had a bunch of 4-4 sprinters or anything. We just had kids that were totally committed, fabulous weightlifting kids, and uh, just, again, great leadership. It was, uh, it was unbelievable. You know, I take a guy, um, I guess the first year we won it, I had uh, Juice Squire, you know, Chad Squire, was one of the kids that, that, that uh, talked after the game to the media. He was our center. And, you know, he easily could have been the best leader on any team I ever had. And uh, I tell you what, 
I had the Lorton boys right there with him. We're, we're fabulous leaders. So, you know, we, we were just, not only were we deep with leadership, we were deep with those guys willing to follow. So, anyway, um, I think, though, that was the real common thing amongst the two. Talent-wise, were they the most talented teams? I tell you what, that uh, 92 team, you know, was the most complete team. You know, we suffered injuries, and we didn't, important injuries, and we didn't miss a beat. And uh, we were good everywhere on the field. You know, we didn't, we weren't missing anyone. You know, I think uh, we had one of the best defensive backs in the state, you know, in Gress. Um, you know, and great defensive back at the 108 level. Those guys aren't easy to find. So, anyway, we were very complete. Now, the following year, you know, we had, we might not have been as strong in all the positions, but it was a more powerful group of kids. These were big, powerful kids. Line was huge, you know, and they had won 14 games the year before. You know, they were back and a very powerful team. You know, um, how many starters did you have returning? Off the top of my head, I don't recall, but I'm saying at least seven, maybe eight. And a lot of those guys were up front. Uh, we had, you know, our linebacker crew that year, I think, were three years together as starters with Friedel and uh, Nate Lorton and Longnecker. I think all of them started as sophomores, and all of them played in the semifinal game as a sophomore. Wow. So, I mean, that's great experience, too. Great experience. So, tough team. You know, talking about that, the 92 93 team, now that's, that's uh, the age of our brother Ty. So, mm-hmm. he was like, you know, in school with Lord. Oh, he would have been Nelson a nice piece and to those, those guys. Teams. Yeah. And uh, so, I remember you, you know, our parents were kind of freshly divorced, and you got rid of all these old shoulder pads from the high school, and you gave it to our mom. Just because, like, you know, we had, there was boys in the family, and our mm-hmm. house was a lot where a lot of kids hung out. And so we, they would all come over, and we end up moving to Harden for a, a short amount of time when our parents got divorced. And so the, Lor- the Lortons all lived close. Steve Hill, that whole group, they would come and play. Like, they put those full shoulder pads on, and, like, <laughs> I don't know what grade they would have been at the, the time, fifth, sixth. Gridiron Acres. And they would play, like, in our backyard. I would be all-time quarterback. You know what I'm saying? I was in high school at the yeah. time, and like they, those guys just would. That's all they did is play, sure. play tackle football. You know, because they just they, they couldn't wait to get there and be a be a warrior. You know. Oh yeah, I I remember the Lord and boys in the end zone, all decked out in Calhoun gear when they were little guys. So yeah, yeah. Uh, now we'd be we can't go on here, we can't get off here without talking about our buddy Nelson. Oh, yeah. who, uh, who who passed away and and I still remember you got up and, and spoke at his uh, at his funeral funeral uh, at the high school and uh-huh. I remember one of the it was one of the coolest things I've heard and, and I, I don't remember all the words you used but you called it the Nelly Fund right and, and you said any time when you overachieve or you work uh, and, and yeah. you said that you were talking about do you remember that, that yeah that, that you're that, contributing to yeah the Nelly Fund yeah yeah that's how I felt you know. Um, because if I remember how I set that up, you know, the thing is, uh, a lot of times when a young man or young woman who is of that stature dies, there'll be funds set up in their name. And the idea was you can start your own today by adhering to some of the Nelly principles. Yeah. Um, you know, 
and talking about Nelson because he was one of them. But, you know, I think one thing that a legacy that coaches leave behind that people don't talk about as a lot is when their players become coaches. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and sure. we posted a picture and there was three of you, three of you guys, or, or three players, oh, yeah. your former players that became, went on to be head coaches, uh, sure. Elmore, J.D. Lorton, and Tim Nelson. Sure. Were, were, is that something that you love to see? Is it like you find like that is a kind of a part of your legacy? Right. Players and, and assistant coaches too. Yeah, that's, uh, that's always been a great uh, source of pride, you know, for me. Um, of course, you know, uh, a lot of them, you know, it, try to adhere to the Calhoun way, mm-hmm. like I did the Belleville East way, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's a it's a great uh, sense of pride for me. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give, say, a, a new, a, a young kid wanting to like start out coaching, be be in the, you know, in the, be a football coach, be a be any type of coach, really? Well, you know, um, I've actually. Um, you know, penned something about that once. But, you know, looking back from where I am right now, the, the thing is, is don't take a second for granted. Enjoy it while you can. Um, really try to enjoy the, the victories. Um, don't take those for granted, no matter who you play. But uh, understand and take, you know, as hard as it sounds, you have to take a little bit of joy or pride in the losses because, man, you were out there. You you weren't in the stands. You know, you were out there. You paid the price. You had all these kids working on your behalf and you working on their behalf. And, you know, it's very, very, even if it's just for a Friday night, it's a very important thing to a lot of people. And don't take that for granted. Enjoy that no matter how tough it can be. Because it's a real position of privilege, and then along the way, you know, take in the little things. Because you, you know, you, you know, I mentioned, you know, just take a look around the stadiums, you know, smell that popcorn, you know, the hot dogs, uh, you know, check out that kid running out to the field trying to get his band uniform on at halftime, you know, those type of things, because uh, you know you don't you don't get to do them forever, and you. There's going to be a plenty. There's going to be plenty of heartache, you know, with the job. So really, try to look and enjoy the good, you know, while it's while it's there, because you're going to miss it when it's over. I I, I love that advice of enjoying the wins. Oh. At at any varsity level, whatever sport it is, winning a single game is a big accomplishment. Yeah. I, looking back at my, my own career, I wish I would have enjoyed each win with my team more right. because they're so hard to come by, the, the preparation, everything that goes into that single win. wish I would have sure. enjoyed that more. And then never really thinking about it, but I, I love that saying, even the losses. Yeah. wish I would, you know, looking back after you saying that, like, man, I, yeah, that, that, is, that is the truth. Walk yeah. in there and still enjoy it because that preparation, all that hard work still went into it, yeah. even though you didn't get the outcome that you wanted. When do you feel more alive? Seriously. You know, there's you know two minutes left in the game. You're down by three. Maybe you don't pull it off. But when do you feel more alive than then? Yeah. You know, hey, we got the ball back. You know, whatever. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, – and, you know, along those lines, I've watched guys who uh, were just miserable in defeat and just defeated all the time. And then I've watched them have that magical year 
and just be super miserable. <laughs> just, you know, just be, you know, I am thinking of one coach in particular. You know, I thought I was thinking, hell, man, you were, you, you were better when you were losing. You know, you just miserable because the pressure of winning. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and you're always worried about that next one. Sure. There's always that next thing. Sure. That's, that's what I felt probably my fault was I not enjoying the wins when they happened because then I was always this mindset, I'm going to act like I've been here before and now I'm into the next one. Or, or you feel like you're letting your guard down. If yeah. I start like, oh, celebrating this exactly. win, it's like, oh, I'm letting my guard down. Now look, you're yeah. going to lose the next one. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. The legendary Don Kemp from Concord Triopia, over 300 yeah. wins. And he was every bit as successful in basketball. He's yeah. a legendary coach. Uh, I could only dream of beating him whenever I first started. And I dreamed of the day that I did. He taught me a very valuable lesson. You know, finally, we did beat him in a playoff game uh, my third or fourth year. year we went to the semifinals. Um, you know, we beat him, and it was after a tough loss. We lost to him at Triopia in a very controversial game. And I was rude to him after the game. I was rude to him, and I said, I said, you know, I hope we're 1A, and I hope we play you again. You know, I was a, I was Young, a jerk. Young, cocky. I was, mm-hmm. And I was mad. Yeah, I was mad. mad. And you know what? We, we played them again, and we destroyed them. And the thing is, I learned so much. All that bravado I wanted to throw out there. He was so cordial in defeat. Hmm. He showed me how a man loses. And I, that's a lesson I never forgot. And I never in my entire career made an ass out of myself after a loss because I was never going to give that other coach the satisfaction. You know, yeah. of seeing me, you know, in that state of mind. Did you ever run into him again or talk to him again? Oh, yeah, yeah. That conversa- Did you ever have a conversation about uh, that? About that individually? Yeah. No, not quite. Uh-huh. Um, we, we never went over that, but uh, it got to the point where he couldn't beat us. A legend like him, he probably didn't need you to tell him. He probably knew yeah. what he was doing when he walked up and, yeah. and, and acted yeah. that way. Yeah. I'm going to teach this younger coach a lesson yeah. of how, how, how to do it. And I, I don't need to tell him this is a lesson or make an right. example. I'm just going to go up and show him how to right. that act. And I always tell my players, win, lose, or whatever. Uh, let, gentlemen, let's be gentlemen. Did, did, you, uh, did, you, did you know Bob Hembro at all? Boy, he, I know he, that name. He was the basketball coach at Beardstown. Um, no. they, they'd went to state a few times. But he, he gave a lot of credit to his success to to coach Kemp. Is that right? Yep. Um, just going to his house, he, he said as much as Kemp would talk to him, he would go to his house and pick his brain and sure. became good friends and just, you know, became a mentor to him and he, he gave a lot of success to Kemp because of the things he had taught him. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. But uh, Kemp was about winning. He, he was a very successful coach. Yeah. Um, so what, you retired now? Yeah, that's what right. they tell me. Yeah. <laughs> I know you just came from swimming, so what, what are you doing with your time? I, I see you well, have a lot of grandkids. Yeah, I've got six grandkids, and uh, my wife is just retired and um, herself from Alton Physical Therapy, and uh, although she works back there every now and then, but, you know, we're trying not to drive each other crazy. Is that with Steve Schwagel? Is that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Steve's, Steve's been yeah. a boss for 30-something years, I guess. Uh-huh. But... Um, you know, we've uh, taken a pickleball. I mean, that's a <laughs> that's passion. A gra- it's a mind. great sport. It is, man. I've never played it. Oh, you'll love it. You'll I love got, it. So. Just got courts at Bethalto. Uh, is that right? Where, yeah. Yeah. Where at? Uh, by um, the old swimming pool tennis court where the tennis courts are down by mm-hmm. the Boys and Girls Club. I'll have to check that out because yeah. 
You know, they've got a great one in uh, Edwardsville, but, man, it's packed all the time. Is it? Yeah, at the Accordi, uh, you know, that. There you go. You got, a, you got a reason to stop at the Brick House, go down, <laughs> yeah. play a little pickleball, come in, get a drink, some food, yeah. you know, recover. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, I try to have some, you know, little artistic jobs I like to do. And, um, you know, I just finished painting a couple Adirondack chairs to look cool. So we could use a nice mural right behind us, Coach, <laughs> yeah. if you ever get real bored, okay? <laughs> You guys are doing good with the motivation around here, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're just trying yeah. to get air conditioning, man. Right, <laughs> one step at a time. One step. Yeah. One step. Was your Was your last stop Jerseyville? Is that Russell? That was. Uh, yeah. Were you te- Did you teach there too? No. No, no. just football. Just so you retired from day. education and then and right. continued to coach. Yeah, those are great kids there too. Yeah, I love that uh, community. Yeah, it's a very good community, and uh, you got to work with some really good coaches too. Really good, really good men. You got anything else over there? I don't think I do. Are we missing anything, Coach? Are we missing anything? I tell you, you guys have done a great job. We did? I think so. No one's ever said that before. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate you coming on, Coach. Well, I appreciate you having me. I really do. Yeah. And uh, let's see. I give a, This guy's never been on to a podcast either. I'm going to give you a shout-out to uh, Jim Roach. If you can figure it out, Jim... <laughs> Uh, he messaged me. He actually messaged me. How yeah. can I, when can I get on and listen to that? Like you said, hey, wait, how can people tune in? Yeah. <laughs> well, move your FM dial to uh, never. Yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah, he messaged me. I go, hey, I, we're, it's going to come up. We'll put it out Monday morning, and I'll send you the link, and hopefully you can click on it <laughs> and, yeah. and, li- and listen to it. Well, there you go, Jim. Now, give me that bottle of Stag Jr. We would talk Woo! <laughs> well, he, what did he say? He said to ask you about the Winchester Hotel or something. Something, but I figured anything that Roach told me to ask you about, I said, probably, yeah. probably, yeah, that's like, do that. yeah, like Quig, Quigmire or Quagmire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You might want to stay away. From, I, I, I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, what, one thing I did. What this is. One thing that Coach used to say whenever, uh, whenever I was a little kid in his art class, he'd always say, like, if you were laughing or something in class, you go, "Hey, no laughing. School's not fun." <laughs> and so, anytime anybody's laughing at the gym, hey. Stop laughing. Fitness isn't fun. <laughs> right. It's just funny, the little things like yeah. that you remember, oh, isn't yeah. it? I love that stuff. Coach, we have love having you on. You're a legend, brother. You're, oh. you're ser- seriously a legend. I, I know when you go up to Calhoun, it's like they still they still worship you up there. Yeah. You don't buy any beers in Calhoun, do you? No, <laughs> I really don't. I, I don't. It's, it's still the best place I've ever been. Yeah, it is. It's an amazing but, place. Our, our dad still lives up there in Campsville. Awesome. Hey, well, oh, let me let me touch on this, Ross, and this because it kind of goes on with what we're ta- talking about. And you gave that Ross when the coach he was talking about from uh, up in Beardstown passed away. Mm. They asked Ross to come in and speak at his his funeral or whatever. He was a mentor for me. Awesome. So we we talked about that on that show. So do you remember Red Eye Schumann? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Red Eye Schumann. It's hey, speaking of old school. Yeah, always. It always spoke to me in parables. Like, he'd always finish a sentence, like, I was supposed to figure out what he was supposed to say <laughs> next. And he'd give me a look, you know, I can't. He'd give me a look like, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you, you're oh, giving yeah. a speech for him. So we, oh, yeah, I didn't know I told you. Or yeah, we yeah, haven't yeah talked you brought about that up. So, yeah, they're, you know, he passed away, I think it was about six months ago or something like that. And so they're renaming a, a park. There's a memorial, Veterans Park up there or something renaming it in campsville and they're also it's that's also like the i'm gonna say this wrong like the sesquintial sesquintennial something yeah, what is that 200 years 150 years something of of cancel they're having a parade or i don't know what that would consist of in campsville but 
Um, and so they're doing a dedication for the park up there, and they're having me speak. I wrote something nice. up about him whenever he passed, just because he was pretty influential in my life yeah. also. Good guy. Were, good guy. And uh, so I'm speaking at that. So it's kind of funny. We were talking about yours, and yeah. now I'm doing it. So yeah. our, Very my, good. Our big mouths is <laughs> in trouble. <laughs> Coach, great to have you. Thanks for coming, Coach. Well, thank you, gentlemen. I've enjoyed it. This has been the Eat, Slay, Live podcast. And we are the Locksecutioner. Slay on, brother. Slay on.